to the Film School for Marketers podcast. My name is Mariah. I have my little pup Milo here. So if you hear some barks in the background, I'm apologizing ahead of time. And you know, Zach Basner, co-host, and we have a special guest today, Alex Winter. Woo! Hello, everybody. So to have you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really pumped to be here. This is awesome. Long time coming, but we're finally here. Yeah, Let's talk about video. We are so stoked to have you, Alex. Alex is one of my favorite people at Impact, one of the most talented guys I've ever met. Alex, let our viewers and our listeners know a little bit about your background. Sure, sure. Um, I'll give you the short story. So I have always been passionate about filmmaking and all things creative, especially storytelling. So naturally, you know, I decided to make the move to film school, and that's where my journey really started. Uh, so I went to Savannah College of Art and Design where I mastered my craft. I had some really incredible professors that helped me hone my skills. And once I got out of school, I moved out to Tinseltown and I tried to do the Hollywood thing. Um, I shot a couple independent feature films. They were B-level films, but it was amazing experience for me. Um, I was really behind the camera most of the time. So my specialty is cinematography uh, and a little bit of directing too. So that's where I really started. Um, but I'm an East Coast guy. I'm from Boston and I really missed the East Coast vibe. And uh, as much as I like LA, I had to come back to my roots. So I came back home for a little bit and going from college to being on your own out in LA to moving back in with your parents was a little shell shock for me. So I had to get out as fast as I could. Um, so I moved back down to Savannah and got into the music video scene. And I shot music videos professionally uh, with Sony BMG Music. And I got to do some really cool music videos with some yeah. really big artists. Who'd you work with? Yeah, so I got to work with Lil Wayne, with Birdman. Uh, we brought Travis Porter to market before Travis Porter was Travis Porter, Soldier Boy, Killer Mike, Purple Ribbon All-Stars. It was, uh, the list goes on and on, and it was just a very surreal and like awesome experience for me, man. But I was young, you know, I was 22, fresh out of college, and wasn't the best at the freelance game because you make a lot of money real quick. And then it was feast or famine and then I didn't have any work or anything to do. So I wanted something more steady and I wanted to get into more of a storytelling piece rather than just shooting, you know, people in the club party and all the time, which is cool in its own right. But I wanted to really like communicate some compelling stories and help companies. And that was really what brought me to the marketing world. And uh, in 2008, I ended up starting my own agency with two of my friends. It was really a production company. And it was just this idea that we were like, let's do it. We're young. We have nothing to lose. Let's give it a try. And that took us 10 years across a pretty incredible journey where we grew up from the three of us to 40 people across four offices. And I did that for a decade, starting as a producer director and growing into more of a creative director role, managing all the creative that came out of the company. So everything from web design, graphic design, social media management, public relations, I mean, you name it. So it was an amazing experience, but it got to a place where it just wasn't the right fit for me anymore. I was really looking to elevate my skills and just kind of focus more on the client experience rather than trying to make money and do that traditional advertising, like Mad Men style world that I ended up being in and made a really tough decision to break out on my own. And I did that for a few months and it was a great, a great like check to challenge myself to go back to my roots and get back into filmmaking again. And at the same time, I had a really incredible opportunity that lined up with Impact. And actually, you were one of my first interactions with talking to Impact. You had just, uh, we had just talked about recruiting and you yeah. were looking to grow and scale a video department here at Impact. And, uh, you know, your, your methodology, what you and Marcus created and everything that you're doing was like totally in alignment with what was always in my head about helping clients and finding ways to strategically tell stories with video rather than just like creating a cool shiny object. 
and it just made a lot of sense. So I was hoping and praying you liked me enough that we could work together. And, you know, fast, <laughs> forward, fast forward a year, here we are. Yeah. You know, it's been a crazy, wonderful, amazing ride. And uh, it's been almost actually a year to like the week wow. that I've been here at Impact now. Yeah. Well, so. we are so lucky to have you. So our listeners know, obviously, we've got this mm-hmm. awesome guy who knows anything and everything about video production. So today I wanted to talk about things that you should know when hiring a video production company, like what you should keep in mind. Um, So to kick it off, can you talk a little bit about what someone should look for in an outsourced video production partner? What are some of the main things to keep in mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. And there's a lot of factors to it. And there's a lot of variables to it, like to the equation, depending on your needs and what you're trying to accomplish. But on a general, uh, on a general basis, the big thing is the quality of the work. You want to make sure that the quality of the work is there so the production company you hire has the tools or the equipment or at least the resources to get the equipment to really have the highest level uh, quality of production that you can get. So the visuals, the audio, everything is really top notch because perception in this marketplace is everything. So your touch points for video have to look and feel at the level that you want to project to your to your audiences. So that's number one. And then number two, I think, is strategy. You know, a lot of video production companies regardless of price, say that they're the best, say that they're the most creative and have all these wonderful ideas and new new things that they can bring to the table. And that's great. And even the high-end technology and camera pieces, like that's all important. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a strategy to go directly to your customers, to enable your sales and your marketing, to tell a compelling story, it doesn't really matter what you shoot it on or who you're talking to, you know, like that the basis of having that direction and having a goal that you know you can set that's going to have measure, measurable results is the mm-hmm. most important thing. I mean, most people would agree, yeah, I'm going to look for quality. But mm-hmm. what are the major things that you would look for right. to tell yeah. if, they, if they really are going to be quality and the production value is really going to be there? Yeah, that's a great question. And it, it's subjective, right? Because certain, certain styles you may like a lot and I may not like that and vice versa. So some of that is subjective. But I think if you're really looking at it, um, it comes down to framing. It comes down to how they expose and use light to tell a story. And for me, it's all about being cinematic. You know, I love watching movies and I think that's what sparked it for me in the beginning was going to the theater with my mom and my dad and with my friends and being like awed and inspired by what I was seeing on the big screen. So when I look for good work, I try to find people that emulate and try to replicate that very cinematic feel versus just like, let's throw a couple lights and a camera up with no depth of field and just kind of get it. And it doesn't matter if the horizon's crooked and maybe the framing isn't quite right. And the eye lines are off, you know, like those little things add up and, you know, to audio is a big piece. I don't think people realize how much audio affects your viewing experience and how much um, it affects the way you interpret what you're watching. And a lot of times more often than not audio is an afterthought and there's all sorts of noise in the background and you can hear AC vents going and it's just, it pulls you out of that experience and it affects your perception in a not, in a not positive way. So those are things that I always try to look for that I go, could this be on a movie screen? And if I was sitting in a theater, would I be like, yeah, this, this definitely is on that caliber and level. That's what I'm, that's what I usually look for and base my scale of measurement off of. And it's interesting because a lot of stuff you just mentioned there is like basic stuff. So, so Mm. you're saying that, even professional production companies out there might yeah. be screwing up these, ba- I mean, is that a common thing? They're yeah. screwing up even the basic stuff. Absolutely. It's the fundamentals, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of production companies would be like, oh, we got the new red weapon, the weapon dragon 8K, and we spent 200 <laughs> grand on this camera. And it's like, the camera's sick, and I'm totally jealous because I want that camera. But then you put it on a tripod 
that's like 250 bucks that can't support the weight of it mm. and the horizon's off and all your shots are crooked and it's like the, the quality is nice, but you didn't even set the, set the shot up right. You know, it's those fundamental principles that people tend to overlook because they're more worried about what lens or what camera they're shooting on in the tech. There's so many pieces that people probably don't think about that you've just covered because I think sometimes people think, you know what, like I can go just get a freelancer probably for a lot less money than I would an actual video production company. So what are like, I mean, you've talked about some of the pros and cons of going with a video production company over a freelancer, but you know, what would you say those main things are and what someone should take into account if they're like, I need to find where my investment's going to go. Like what makes the most sense for me? It always comes down to dollars because, you know, if you have a budget for your marketing plan, you only have a certain amount of dollars to work with. So sometimes using a freelancer is going to make more sense because you have to be budget conscious. And there's been experiences where I found freelancers that a one person shop, a one man band is so talented that he could actually carry a video better than an entire production company could that you spend a hundred grand for a production. So it, it really, really varies and depends on how you screen these people and what type of budgets you have. And uh, I think it was Wistia. They made that video that yes. like everyone's been talking about. That's like a thousand dollar, $10,000 or $100,000 video and what the differences are. And you can spend big money and the, the difference between big money and the $10,000 budget, depending on who's shooting it can be so close that to the average viewer, they won't be able to really tell the difference. So for a company or for somebody who's trying to hire along those terms, Spending 100K versus 10K is a big difference. And if your budget only allows for 10K, that might be the best way to go. And it really is going to come down to the screening process. And if you're not sure about how to screen those people, Mm -hmm. I mean, Zach and Will and like Mariah, you too, like I would recommend talking to a consultant or talking to somebody that maybe a friend or a colleague that you know has some experience screening these people to help weigh in on the the decision-making process so you can make as informed of a decision as you can. Yeah. Where would, I mean, where would you recommend if the freelancer route is like your first step, like you need to create video, your company Mm -hmm. doesn't have the the money at this point to hire a production company. Where would I go look for a freelancer? Like what's a a safe spot to maybe do some research? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this is, this is silly, but I have a lot of luck on Craigslist, believe it or not. I've met some of my, some of my best colleagues that I work with, I've met on Craigslist. But there's also a lot of different communities that you can go onto online. There's a lot of different forums and places that you can go, um, especially here on the East Coast. And I know there's a hub out in LA as well. And Austin's starting to get a pretty good hub in yeah. Texas. And then obviously, if you go up into Canada and in Vancouver uh, and in Toronto, there's some pretty big scenes there too where you can get plugged in um, and find a network of people, you know, and put out casting calls similar to how you would for, for talent. You can mm. do the same thing for, for crew and for different different crew members and needs that you may have, you know, it may not just be a videographer. You might need an audio technician or an audio specialist or whatever the case may be. So there's a, there's a site that I love um, that's really big here in the, in the Manhattan, New York area called staff me up. And it's specifically for directors, producers and cinematographers and like editors. And it's very, very niche, very specific, but that's like that online community and forum of like people who are plugged in and have their ear to the street and they're like, yo, Spielberg's coming in to do some crazy production in Manhattan next month. And we need like three key grips and a couple of, you know, electricians and a, a camera yeah. operator or something like that. And then everyone battles to try and get, <laughs> on, the, get on the A-list, you know, but it's, it's fun. And it's, it's a, uh, for the most part, it's a community of peers that like, that are all pushing each other to be better. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, that, that's definitely uh, a good resource. And that's usually how I source talent. 
Um, and also, also I've, I've just been, I've been doing this for a long time. So over the years I've, I've developed a lot of relationships that, you know, just great people that I've met that are talented and it's uh, it's kind of like trial by fire because sometimes the people I meet are really good and those are the people that I'm still working with to this day and other times you get on a set and it doesn't quite work out, you know, and you, you have a bad experience or you have something that doesn't quite go the way it's planned and you have to make that tough decision to be like, we did it and it didn't work and we're not going to keep working together going forward. So yeah, it's, yeah, there's a little bit of that too. Yeah. So well, we have an activity that we give to people who are insourcing their their productions, right? So if they're mm-hmm. hiring an in-house videographer, we'll give them this activity, like make us this video. You made one of these, I think for impact. When yeah. You yeah, it does. So like make this video and you know, show us why you want to work at impact or show us why you're passionate about video. And it gives mm-hmm. us a taste of what they're capable of. You can do the same activity with a freelancer. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're finding freelancers, you're not sure, are they going to be good or not? You know, I don't want to hire them for a job yet. I just want to see what they can do. I mm-hmm. think that assignment is as equally as good for a freelancer as it is absolutely for like if you're hiring somebody. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like an audition tape, right? And it's, it's almost better to do that. And I would recommend that too, because you know, a demo reel, that's your showpiece. So that, that could span like 30 different shoots that you've and done and you're you, picking out the best. You can stuff. never tell if they actually, if Shot that's it. their stuff, right? Because some people will put stuff in their portfolio. That's not, like they didn't shoot it or light it or anything, right, but, but they, they worked like, on the project somehow. They that's put, crazy. they edited something in the background and that's yeah. in what? their show. Right. Oh yeah. That happens. That happens that's quite sketchy. often. That's yeah. Sketchy. So, so sometimes it's just like a job resume too, where people will inflate yeah. it, you know, more often than not, things are fabricated a little bit so, so that you look the best that you can. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that it's right or wrong, but I think the best way to, to judge character and to judge who you want to hire is to do an activity because it forces them to work within the confines of what you're creating mm-hmm. and it puts them on the spot where you really can see from a vulnerable standpoint, how they operate, what they do, their, their personality, their, their creative style, all that stuff. You and know? shows so, if they care or not. Right. If they're willing to do it, they, they, if they're, want, they want the gig. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And if they, they don't do it or they half ass it, then you know that they're not invested in it and really want to be yeah, a part of the project. So let's set up a scenario. An organization has found a video production company. They're ready to shoot. They have the date set up. How should they best prepare so that the day of the shoot, everything is organized and they're in a good place? Like how do they make sure they make the most out of the time that they have with the production company? Really the way we do it here at impact and the way I've always done it is the production company should really be coaching them and helping them along through that process. So if you're working with a production company and they just give you a ton of work to do and expect all this stuff to be ready and when they show up on set, they're probably not coaching you enough and they're not giving you the tools you need to really set you up for success. So that's probably a red flag right there that you should be aware of. Um, you know, here we do a lot of handholding, not because of any other reason than we want the most successful outcomes that we can have. So part of that process is educating and getting them to understand the process and how we do it and why we do it that way so that they're invested in it. It, you know, you want them to self-discover and understand the importance of this stuff so that they, they're invested in it. When you go to shoot, they know what they're getting into. They know what they need to have ready. And then that way too, when they're on set and when you're shooting it, they're not like halfway through the shoot going like, I don't know if I like the creative direction on this and we should just change the whole script like on the spot, which can, which has happened and can be disastrous. So it's really important to educate them and set them up for success so that they are on the same page. And then the tools you give them, you know, like, I do scheduling breakdowns, uh, we do budget breakdowns, and then I project manage. So we do almost a, almost a full month leading up to a shoot where we meet at least once a week and we're talking about 
all the things we need to do to get ready is the script outline there. Do we need to have a voiceover ready? What type of music do we want to have in the background for the edit? It's, it, we're always thinking all the way down the line to what the final product needs to be and then working backwards and reverse engineering all the pieces that we need to have ready on set, whether it's props, locations, equipment, gear, whatever, like whatever the case may be. So yeah, I would definitely say if you're getting onto a set and you don't know what you should be bringing and the production company is just so, showing up, that's, that's a big no-no. So we have an anticipated outcome of a day that we'll go shoot with the client. Mm -hmm. So we know, you know, in our case, we're out there to shoot 80% video, a customer journey and you know, four bio videos, whatever like that. We can tell the client, you know, pretty definitively, we're going to be able to shoot this in this amount of time. Should people be wary of companies that are like charging a half day or day rate or two day rate or something like that? And, and just, you know, we'll, we'll capture as much as we can. Cause I, I do hear yeah. about that. And, and a lot of clients, sometimes expect something like this, mm -hmm. you know, can you just come out, charge us the day rate and we'll just shoot as much as we can. Should people be, be wary of companies that offer that and, and legitimize something like that? Yeah, I think so. And I think part of why I love your strategy that you created in the selling seven, it, it puts things into perspective and it puts confines on like, okay, we're going to do an 80% and it claims you make and a couple landing page videos. And then your team is going to need some bio videos on your about us page. So like very quickly in my back, pocket in my toolkit, I can pull all these resources out and go like, here are the script outlines that we need. And here's what I know we can accomplish in a day. And it helps me map out the day accordingly. So I know what scripts we need to do, the direction we need to take and how much time it's going to take to film those things, the people we need. It really helps maximize the day. And if for, for me, if we're going to come out and shoot for a day, it's not cheap. So mm -hmm. if we're going to go, I want to be able to land on my feet, hit the ground running and capture as much as we possibly can so that you get the most bang for your buck. Yeah. So yeah, there's been situations where clients don't fully know, they just want you to come out and shoot. And we certainly can do that, but I try to steer away from that. And I wouldn't highly recommend doing something like that unless the client really has deep enough pockets that they don't care. And they want to just like let the creativity flow on set, which in certain cases that that is the case. And it, it ends up working out well that way too. But really from a strategy perspective and for most of the work that we do with our clients, especially in this SMB market that we're in, having the selling seven, having those videos and having those confines allows us to really set up our day and be like, listen, we're going to come up for a day. You're going to get 10 to 12 videos and all these videos are going to be able to land on your site and be used on social media and repurpose for all this wonderful mm -hmm. content. That's just going to help enable your sales and marketing. Mic drop, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it's, I think part of it too is because I used to own my own business that I, I have some of that mindset. So I'm thinking like, you know, if I'm going to drop, $15,000 on a one day production and 10 videos, 15 grand. If you're a small company, that's a lot of money. So yeah. how is that going to hit my bottom line? How's that going to affect my business? Am I going to get a return on it? What's it going to do for my sales enablement? Like all that stuff comes into question. And if you're a CEO or a CMO, that's top of mind. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really big question that you have to answer and just being like, Oh, we're really creative and we're going to create all these shiny objects for you. And it costs all this money. I don't know if that's enough if I was a CMO or a CEO to be like, yeah, here's, here's my checkbook. Go for it. Yeah. You know, yes. One, one thing, one concern that I have about obviously not the way we offer video production here at impact, mm -hmm. but just the nature of creative services. There are a lot of vendors out there, freelancers or whomever that they're just interested in getting paid and creating something like, like that's stunningly visual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And Therefore, they'd be willing to take your $15,000 and really it doesn't affect them if you make $60,000 ROI on that. Right. You know what I mean? They, 
they're just in their minds and my job is just to do what they told me to do and make it look really good. I think it's a common thing and it's sort of like a, like an older mentality of filmmaking that has shifted because of technology and technology has brought a lot of new people into the mix because there was a time, you know, when I went to film school, I was still shooting on film and cameras, you know, the average camera was a hundred to $200,000 and then you needed to get film and like, so you, it was pay to play. Now you can get a really sick camera set up for a couple of grand and shoot some really stellar visuals for not a lot of money. So it's, it's, it's twofold. It's almost like two sided because it's opened up this market for all these, these like entry level filmmakers to really have tools to do some incredible stuff. Um, but on the other side of it, it's also brought the market share down. So what used to cost a hundred grand, like when I was shooting music videos, a $200,000 budget was like a small budget for a music video. Nowadays, if you get 50 grand for a music video, it's like a big deal. So wow. it's, it's really shifted the industry. And to, to answer your question, it's like, you know, yeah, you can create, do really visually creative and amazing stuff, but if it doesn't turn a profit or they don't get their investment back on the client side of it, they're not going to work with you again. So really it's like, you can make a quick buck or you can win a client over and make huge money in the long run. And it's going to help them grow and reinvest more into you. And it's going to help you grow. And it's like those types of situations, I think is what I'm all about. I know that's what you're all about. And I think impact as a company and why I'm here is because we put that at the forefront. It's all about the client experience and client wins over anything else. Yeah. And a lot of agencies and a lot of production companies, it's the complete opposite. And I think if we rewind back to when I started my agency, in 2008, it was because I saw some atrocious stuff happening where people wow. only cared about money. Once I saw that, it was like, this can't be how it is. I got to try to do something different. Yeah. So. Well, good that you gave some red flags to look out for because that's the Definitely. last thing that anyone wants to do. Because, I mean, think about it too. If you're a marketing person and you finally get the sign off from your higher ups to have make this happen and you come across some of these really bad things... Good luck ever trying to get that to happen again. In terms of day of production, so we talked about how these video production companies should be giving you a heads up of what to expect. What are some hiccups that you've seen um, that maybe people should just be aware of um, for day of? Yeah, um, the biggest thing is time. So a l- more often than not, especially for clients that aren't educated, they go, okay, you're going to get here at 9 o'clock and we can start shooting at like 9.30, Right. And most of the time people will say, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, perfect. And half an hour to set up to like get on location, say hi to the clients. They probably want to give you a little walk around tour of the facility. And then by the time you actually get your gear in and and start going, it's already 930, if not quarter to 10. Mm -hmm. And then you still haven't set anything up. So it's really setting those expectations of like, no, we need an hour at least to set up gear. And it takes time to change locations and to do certain things. So I always pad things out. My, my biggest thing is like, if I think it's going to take an hour, I tell people it's going to take an hour and a half just mm-hmm. so I have that extra cushion in case something goes wrong. And when you're on set, it's almost like a live event. You can plan and be the best event planner, be the best director, producer. Something is always going to go not according to plan. There's always that variable or something that you can't account for. And you have to factor that in. That's, a, that's probably the best advice that I can give. And then I think other day of things too, um, is getting people ready to be on camera. Uh, there's been a couple of times where you talk to somebody on a, on a zoom call or over the phone and they're like, they're incredibly intelligent, have the best personality. You can't wait to get them on camera. Cause you know, they're, they're just going to kick butt and take names. Cause you can just see their personality. And then you set the lights and the cameras up and they're like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. They like can't <laughs> even get their own name out. It's like, all right, tell me who you are and what you do. And they're like, uh, hi, I'm, 
what do, what do you want me to say? And it's like, dude, say your name. That's a real thing. But it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's, I think people don't realize the lights and the cameras. It can be daunting. It can yeah. be intimidating, even for me, who, who's used to this stuff. So um, I think that's another big piece is getting people prepped and ready. And How maybe, do you do that? So the same way that we would have like the practice exercise for people to try out as like a, if you want to try out a production company, I, I sometimes will have people test and be like, you know, just take your cell phone out or take out if you have like a little camera, handy cam, whatever, and, and actually try it and sit down and do handy cam. <laughs> and do like show your age a little bit. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh my God. So, but yeah, it's like practice and try it and see, see what it's like and see if you can do it. And then obviously I would want to see the recording too, so that we can review it together and like give some feedback and try to give them some coaching so that they understand the best ways to position themselves too. And I think we do a lot of our interviews very candidly. So we, instead of doing like a huge script where like every word is written out and like, you know exactly what to say and we pop up like a teleprompter, we try to do more interview style where we have a script outline and we keep it bulleted so that we know the topics and the direction we want to take it. But then we, we conduct the interviews very casually, almost like how we're talking now where we sit people down. Sometimes I don't even tell them that we're recording and we just have a conversation. And that's when you get the most genuine and like candid responses that don't seem scripted because sometimes when people have a script, they like get in their head and they have to say it a certain way and then they don't and they get hung up on how they're saying it and the inflection and it can turn into a train wreck pretty, pretty So, quickly. So this is how you do things now. Is this how you always did them or was there ever a point in your career which you would use word for word scripts? Yeah, so this is what I do now and I've, I find it to be the most effective and it's definitely been trial and I'm error. I'm curious, what convinced yeah. you that you should maybe try another way and then when did you learn that it was more effective? Well, so the, so the teleprompter thing is great, yeah, but that also takes practice too. So if you've never read off a teleprompter before, I wouldn't recommend heavily relying on, oh, the teleprompter is going to save me for this interview. Because if you haven't practiced with it, you don't know the timing and the pacing, it can actually screw you up more than it can help you. Um, so if they can't do the teleprompter, then it goes back to script memorization. And some people are better at that than others. And again, like more often than not, people would get hung up on like, oh, what's my line and what am I supposed to say? And then you end up having a script supervisor or somebody that's just like feeding lines to people and you lose the emotion, you lose that genuine connection because you can tell someone's just trying to like muster up and remember the scripted pieces that they're saying and it just feels cold. It just, I don't know, it, the outcomes and the storytelling piece when the edit came out wasn't as as genuine, the audience didn't connect as much. It just didn't have the same feel. And I, I quickly realized that doing the interview piece is what made a big difference. And so that light bulb moment for me was 2000 and, uh, 2009, 2010. I was working with a production company that I got hired as a freelancer to work with, and they were doing interviews. And this guy, uh, his name was John. He was a, like a seasoned veteran, 30 years producer. He worked up in Boston for like WBZ and I got to do uh, like a documentary about the economic crisis in 2008. And we interviewed some seriously big people like Bill Clinton. Um, wow. uh, so like, uh, what's his name? Mr. Bloomberg, who used to be the mayor of New York City. Like we interviewed some huge people. And I was like nervous just being in the room. Like Bill Clinton walked in and it was just like, I've never really been starstruck because I worked with, and it was like, I didn't even, I was like trying to put a mic on. I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, and he was so calm and cool and collected. And they sat in chairs like this. And he just started talking to him. And it, like, I didn't even realize that I'm on the crew and I didn't even realize that we were actually going because it was so seamless and so easy. And I, I think that was the light bulb moment where I was like, wow, he's getting this really conversational interview. And the answers are like, it's almost like you're, 
sitting having coffee with this person instead of like the lights and the camera in their face. And once I saw that, I was like, this is how, this is how it's done. This is how it should be done. And that's how I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no substitute for a good interviewer, great producer, like somebody who can just get somebody to be themselves. Cause that's always the goal. It's just people are themselves and yeah, you know, that'll pull the content out that, that, that you need. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think having people feel comfortable on set, which is really an uncomfortable situation is, is that skill set? Like that's a talent that not everyone has. And it's like, you have to master that. And if you're good at that and getting people to feel comfortable, you're going to get the best outcomes. Maybe not the best comparison, but it actually made me just think about how, um, like for wedding photography, it's kind of the same thing. Like I remember when I was like figuring out who I was going to have, that's, I don't know. You want a photographer who makes you, like you said, feel comfortable someone behind the video, because if you don't like that makes it probably even worse <laughs> of having you on camera. Cause you just don't yeah. feel comfortable in your own skin and they make yeah, you feel totally well, and especially for photography too. Like if you're not a model or if you haven't done a lot of photography being in front of the camera, it's, it's kind of awkward. It's like, yeah. other than like the smile and cheese for your, like your Facebook photos or your Instagram like story or whatever, mm-hmm. like when you have to do poses and you're in your wedding dress and stuff, you need some direction and mm-hmm. it feels awkward. So it's really important to be comfortable and have a relationship with whoever's shooting it so that you don't feel on edge and not yourself. You know, that's really important. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm Long-term, does it make sense for somebody to continually outsource their video to a video production company or does it make sense for somebody in-house to, to own that and be the expert? Yeah. So as much as I love production and I love being that outsourced production person and I get to, you know, interact with all these different industries and clients and I get to see all these new perspectives. Uh, I think for most companies, the best bet and the best way to do this for your pocketbook and also from a brand perspective is to bring somebody in house. Um, what better way to get somebody to understand your brand than to have someone who's on your staff that's immersed in it. That's, that's living it every day. That gets to be a part of that every day to help tell and convey that brand story. And then on top of it too, from a money perspective, I love going out and shooting, but we're, we're not cheap. You know, and you get great results and you're going to get amazing video content out of it that you may not get right away from someone you hire internally that may need a little coaching, but it's an investment like anything else. And I think over time, if you had, if you had my team come out four times a year, so one, one time a quarter, it's probably the equivalent of someone's salary to train them and be on your team and on your staff and really understand and know your brand. So if I was a CEO or a CMO, that would definitely be the answer or the direction that I would take. Yeah. What are the major things? So even when somebody has an internal videographer mm-hmm. and let's say they're just like the perfect case study of insourcing and they're doing like two to three videos per week. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's great stuff. What do you still think would be appropriate to outsource? Cause you know, I think there is like a, a room there for both. Totally. Especially for those who have the budget for it. So in yeah. your opinion, what are the major things or pieces or, uh, stuff that might pop up that companies should consider outsourcing versus using their internal resources for. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So definitely from a content perspective, the three to two to three, at least pieces of content a week, which is not an easy thing to accomplish. You need a dedicated person for that. So having someone on staff instead of having us come out is going to save you a ton of money and it makes the most sense. And then I think also that person is going to need coaching and consulting, which is exactly what you do. And we offer that to help them hone and grow their skills and, teach them new perspectives and strategy. But then I think also for my team to come out, you know, if you're coaching somebody and they maybe start to get a little complacent or things get a, like a little routine cause you're, you're doing your three to four pieces of content and it just turns into like the machine that's 
pumping stuff out. It's great to have professionals come out with some higher end gear that this person can be on set with us and they can shadow us and they can see what we do and they can hopefully get inspired and see some new lighting setups or a new camera piece of tech or tool that they want to grab that they don't have or something that is going to help elevate their skills and moving forward. Yeah. And then it's also twofold because they learn a lot. They get to have that unique experience to grow. And then you're also getting really great content out of it too that maybe that person couldn't produce on their own. Mm. So the level of production goes way up for some of your more high-end branded pieces if you really want like a claim to make or a product video that needs to look like top-notch that you'd see on TV or something like that. That's where we come in. Yeah. And then we can help coach that on, on staff person to to see those technique, techniques and trips that we're using. Yeah, you're, you're bringing up a really great point too, which is something that you know we don't often talk about. I think it's it's easy to compare, okay, insourcing and outsourcing. Like mm -hmm. you got this in-house person versus outsourced person and you're just comparing the, the people, right? It's like we've got a resource so it's like they can do everything. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that an outsourced company is gonna be able to bring into the equation that, that an in-house videographer can't do or totally or you know besides equipment what do you think are some other things that an outsourced company really brings to the table that it's like you know we don't often talk about or compare yeah that's great a great question so some of it is this, the strategy right so like for somebody that's in it day-to-day -day, that maybe a lone videographer or maybe a videographer with another content person and there's two people and you're in a comp company that everyone else is like not creative and just isn't that stripe which is okay you almost feel isolated out on this little island, right? And it can get lonely over there where you don't have other people to collaborate with and spark your creativity. So from that perspective, that's great from, for us to come in and help you with that. But then also, you know, I would want them to be on all of our calls. So they would shadow with us and they'd be like, okay, I'm watching how he's planning this out and how he project manages this and how he's gonna schedule it and the tools he's using to schedule and budget and where he's getting, you know, his music content from and some of the post-production workflow tips and all these things that we, we use on a daily basis that these people may or may not know about. There's a, there's so many moving parts that we want them to see how we do it. And I think another reason why I love impact and why we're, why I'm here is we're so transparent about everything that we do. There's no smoke and mirrors and like, Oh, we don't tell people about this or that. And I mean, from you and especially from Marcus, it's that radical candor, you know, just like there's no, there's no secret. So I want people to, to see what we do. And I would love for somebody that came fresh out of college that integrates with a company that you help them coach that gets them doing two to three pieces of content a week that eventually becomes so good that they're even better than I am. I would love to see that. I think that's, that's the ultimate goal is to help coach and train people that, that are, and enable them to just like really hone their skills and become the best creator that they can be. How do you think insourcing is going to affect production companies and freelancers? I mean, this recent report done by demand uh, metric, they found that 50% of small to medium sized businesses are producing a majority of their content in house. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Like, a you lot. know, go back five years ago, that wasn't the case. No, definitely not. So how is this going to affect the rest of the video world mm -hmm. that, that more businesses are going to be hiring videographers and using resources yeah. you know, within the, the four walls? Yeah. Um, I don't fully know the answer. I'm still like, we're all riding that wave. Yeah. Um, I definitely believe in insourcing. Um, I really think that that's where it should be going and it makes the most sense to me. Um, I think what you're going to see is a shift of people that are freelancers. They're going to start getting scooped up into businesses because they're talented. And also because the freelance thing isn't the easiest thing to do. You know, you really have to be on top of your game. And you know, for me, when I was freelancing, the struggle wasn't about 
getting the work and the creative. It was like managing the books and the business side of it, which is not really my strong suit, you know? So I think there's a lot of people out there that are in the same, the same boat and to integrate with a company where you get a steady paycheck, get to work with great people, get to create content and keep doing what you're already passionate about is where that shift is going to happen. But then it's interesting too, because I've already started to see people that are in house at a company for a couple years, a year, maybe two, and they've been shooting the same stuff for the same brand, for the same industry. And they start to get complacent with it because it's just a lot of rinse and repeat and they want a little bit more variety. So I think what you'll start to see is people that are in-house for one company and then they start to bounce around to other companies to mix up the content that they're creating, not because the companies aren't good, but just because they want to, you know, freshen up their reel or have a different subject matter to, to shoot and to talk about to keep things interesting. You know, I, and I think the way that we've done things at Impact too and what's, and what's going to happen here is that you know, we're understanding, and the whole reason we offer video production is like, we're understanding, yeah, a lot of companies are gonna insource, it's great. We hope that they do. For their educational, they ask you answer sales and marketing content, they can pull 90% of that off with an internal videographer. Like yep. that can be done. And it's gonna, like you said, to your point, it's gonna be cheaper, it's gonna be quick, quicker because they know the brands. Mm -hmm. But now a company like us is looking at it like, okay, now there's other ways that we can help with video production. We hire people like you who have a wealth of experience. You bring, you know, a, a videographer out of, out of college. It's not going to have the experience that you have. You right. can, you can do much more complex projects. You can light more, uh, you know, complex things. You can stage and design sets that are more complex and things like that. So we're looking at it as, okay, that's cool. That's great that more companies are doing this regular day-to-day -day sales and marketing content. Now we need to figure out how to help them with the more complex stuff. Right. And I think that's what, of these other production companies are gonna have to do. I don't think they're gonna go out of business. I don't think so either. But I think they're just gonna have to step it up and figure out, okay, if that's what they're doing and they're you know, insourcing majority of their stuff, what do we have to do to offer them a higher level mm -hmm. of production? Right. Well, and, and production, the bigger production houses, it's a little bit closeted where like, there's some magic to what they do and they do really great work, but you don't really fully know, there's so many moving parts, you don't really fully know what's happening there. And I think the shift that needs to happen is what is already happening here at Impact in a major way. And in a lot of the clients and companies we've interfaced with, which is they ask you answer. And it's like, let's bring all this stuff to light. And instead of keeping it closeted, become the thought leaders in the space yeah. and talk about what you do and how to educate these SMBs. And then also know that you're going to have enterprise companies that don't want to hire in-house and you're still going to have your regular work with the big clients that you can really flex and do those creative fun projects with. Yeah. And then also help these companies that may be smaller grow so that eventually they become an enterprise company and then they can hire you to do the big stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, we're super glad you're on the podcast today. Thanks uh, for having me. So yeah, first really of all, like we'll put your social media stuff in the show notes so people can connect with you. Sure. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I would say contact me directly. Uh, you can hit me up on my email, a winter at impact We'll put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love, love talking about this stuff yeah. and I'm passionate about it. I always have been. I, I used to steal my dad's, VHS camcorder when I was a kid and like this has been a lifelong journey for me so if you have questions if you need input if you need to talk about resources or freelancers whatever it is just hit me up I'd love to talk to you yeah, yeah absolutely awesome well thank you all for joining us today all you viewers and listeners out there we hope you learned a little bit about what you might expect if you are outsourcing your production or just a little bit about what kind of goes into productions like that. Alex is awesome. Definitely connect with him and uh, talk to him about any projects you got going on. And make sure you tune in next week when we talk about something other 
than this, which is going to be cool, hopefully. <laughs> and until we see you next time, keep learning. Keep learning.